All right. I'm sorry. All right. So first of all, so before we begin, so uh, this morning's learning and breakfast is being sponsored anonymously. Lili Nishmas David Yehuda Ben Asher Lamel. So the Shoshan Aliyah. And only Shevet Brach and Atzlacha should come to the home Mishpacha, to all Kilo, all of Klai Yisrael, and Shkayach to Anonymous. Okay. So it's just like this, uh, you know, I'm not sure if you guys are, like, into Shayvin or Erevrav. You know, we'll, we'll have to see where this goes. So it's like this, you know, I, I couldn't let Kamavak Hashem, you know, I couldn't let us go by without acknowledging Shayvin. But it's like this. To me personally, when I, when I um, you know, when people think of Shayvin, at least, what I think people think about when they think of Shaivim is Shmir uh, Sinayim and Shmir Sabris and Yonah Kedusha. And there's certainly, there's no question that's a major part of it. But I, I find personally that those discussions that are, they're, they're, they're purely one-sided. They're only one half of the conversation, which is about what not to do and holding yourself back and, you know, which is all holy and pure. But it's exhausting. It's exhausting. It's exhausting. And it's... Uh, and it's not the full picture of what the sugi is. The sugya of Shmir Sinaim and Shmir Sabris is much, much broader than just what not to do and what not to see. It's much broader than that. And I feel, and my experience has shown to me, that the more we can talk about not just the whole sugya and really where it's coming from and the much bigger, broader picture, so although initially it might seem that sort of you're avoiding the issue, but you're not avoiding the issue. You're getting a solid background and a real better perspective of what the Avaita is. And then the practical inyanim in terms of, uh, you know, the surmira sides of things are put into a much broader perspective and a person actually is not exhausted by it. Uh, it's part of a much more pneumistic Avaita. So it's like this. Mamish, a couple minutes of background why I'm talking about Erevrav, you know, we're talking about Shaivim. So it's like this. The concept of these weeks, the weeks of Shaivim from Shemais, all the way to Mishpatim, where in Ibriyar, it's Shavim Tat, all the way to Tetzaveh. So the concept of these weeks being a time of tshuva, that goes way back. We don't know exactly, it's not clear exactly like where it came from, where was the first place it's mentioned, but we have very, very early sources mentioning Shavim as an old minute. So it definitely goes back, although we don't know exactly when it started, um, of it being tshuva. Now, what the tshuva was about, what it's focused on, so that runs the gamut. It, it was not very clear in terms of like the original minig what it, what the focus was on. Uh, thank you. The um, you'll have some achreinim. I made a bracha before. Don't worry. So I, yeah, the the no, you have to you have to know. So the uh, the, the a number of achreinim say that maybe the tshuva is related to like the post yontif season after Hanukkah. Maybe it's something like that. It's not very clear. The Arizal came and was Megala that the Indian of Shaivim, this old meaning of Shaivim, is connected. Because the question was like this What exactly is the Chuba focused on during Shaivim, and why is it during these weeks? That, that was not clear in terms of the old sources. And so the Arizal comes and, and explains everything. The Arizal says that the Indian of Shaivim is as follows The Indian of Shaivim is specifically to do Chuba in Inyanim of Kedusha, Inyanim of Kedusha. And some and the Rizal said the reason for that is is because these parshias that we're learning about, which is connected to Golas Mitzrayim and Gulas Mitzrayim, the whole story of the Exodus, is somehow woven and connected to that Indian of Kedusha, uh, Yisrael Tzadik, his, his the first the first you know the first the, the first experience of Golas Mitzrayim. If you go back, really, right? Sari Menu was captured in Mitzrayim. 
It's in Yanni Kedusha, right? Yosef Tzadik is in Mitzrayim. His Nisayin is Kedusha. So somehow Mitzrayim is connected to that Inyan of Kedusha, of men and women, of Shmer Sinai, of Shmer Sabris. And so Golis Mitzrayim and Gulis Mitzrayim, these weeks that we're talking about that, that's the Zman to really, you know, focus in on that Inyan of Kedusha. That's what, and that's where Shavim, that's the idea, that's where it comes from. But, but, but once we have that sort of Pesach, in order to really appreciate what the Inyan of Kedusha is, and what Shavim is about, so Rizal gives us a pointer, right? He points us in the direction of Mitzrayim. Gulas Mitzrayim, Gulas Mitzrayim, that's what it's about. So to really, really appreciate the sugya in depth, them as Baimek and Pneumius, and to put Kedusha in a larger perspective, in a, in a much broader, you know, in a, in a, you know where, it's, where it fits in a much broader picture, we have to really get to the bottom of what Gulas Mitzrayim was, what Gulas Mitzrayim is, what's going on over there. And in order to figure that out, it's all revolving around one particular suga, and it's one of those things that, on the outside, it's a blip on the radar. Mamish is, is nothing. It's one pasuk, it's a Rashi, it's a Medrash, there's one piece of Gemara, that's about it. But in Pneumia Satara, it is the essence of what was going on in Mitzrayim. It's the essence of what we're remembering every day when we remember Yitzhiya's Mitzrayim, and it's the essence of what the world is going through right now. And I'll explain, I'll explain what I mean, and that's the Erev Rav. The the Erev Rav. Now, <coughs> Again, a moment of introduction before we actually begin to learn. I, first of all, Shulis Night, I went through this, but, you know, it wasn't recorded, Aleph. It was Shulis Night, okay? And so those that, have, that were there would have a very good memory. So uh, certainly in the beginning, this will be Chazar. But again, because we're now Shavim-based, so it'll take different, it'll go in different ways, and my head is a little bit more clear now than it was Shulis Night, so we'll see where it goes. <clears throat> this in of Erev Rav, We'll, we'll see, today we're going to learn just the details, who were they, and the history of it, you know, a little bit. But, but we have to understand that the Mar Deshmaitza, the master of this sugya, the Balabas, of this Inyan, of Erevrav, is without a question the Vilna Gain. So without a question the Vilna Gain, that's his Inyan. Now, what's interesting is that according to the traditions that we have from the Vilna Gain, Ere, this concept of Erevrav and the Tumma, the Klipa, the Golas of Erevrav, is not just a historical phenomenon, it's not just something that somehow was connected to Gaulus Mitzrayim and Gaulus Mitzrayim, as we'll see. It's mamish, what we're going through and where we are. Let me explain. We have a tradition from the Vilna Gain. We have this in a number of sources in the Gain himself. The Vilna Gain said that the last Gaulus that we're in, we know is the Gaulus of Esav, right? Edom, Malchus Arisha. But we know that already Kadmainim say this, that at the tail end of, Ed, of Esav, is going to be another Golos, which is sort of like mixed up within Esav, but has its own identity, which is the Golos of Yishmol. Of Yishmol. That we have from earlier sources. Rishayin already, Ramban. The Vilna Goyen came and said that you should know, even the tail end of Yishmol, the, the very, very last Golos is the Golos of the Erev Rav. It's the Golos of the Erev Rav. That's what the, that's what the Vilna Goyen said. So Erev Rav is no longer this you know, Pasuk and Chomish and this interesting thing that Moshe Rabbeinu had with them or whatever it is and gave us problems during the desert. The Erev Rav is the last stage of Golas. More than that, we also have a tradition from the Vilna Gain that in terms of place, the last stage, the last stop of Golas is America, that we know this. This is a famous mice that we have from Chaim Velozhner that uh, they once found that he was crying and so on and, and they asked him why and he said because he saw and he had a Kabbalah from his Rebbe that America is going to be the last stage of Golas. 
So they said, Rebbe, what are you crying about? And why is that so bad? So I guess, uh, to get from Europe to America is not going to be so posh. That's what he said. So America is the last stop. By, and, and, and therefore, when we're learning about this, so, again, so let's put those two mamar together. You have a mimer from the Vilna Gaon, that the air of Rav is the last stage of Gauls. And you have a mimer from the Vilna Gaon, that America is the last stage of Gauls in place. Which means that if we, we, if we can identify, and this is what the tzaddikim have said, that, the, that if to identify what America is, what's the klipa, what's the, what's the Gaulus of America. The Gaulus of America is interesting, because people try, we think it's, it's Esav, right? We're in the middle of Esav. But it's really not. Because there are certain qualities that Esav has, and America doesn't necessarily fit that. So what is Esav? What is America? It's, it's Yavan, it's uh, Paras, Matai, like what is it? You know, in a certain sense, it sort of checks all the, you know, fills in all the checks, you know? It checks in all the boxes. It's like, um, it's like you're a hypochondriac, you know? It's like, listen to a thing on the radio. Does this, you know, do you have the, yeah, I got that, you know? It's like, America sort of checks all that. So what is America? America's the Erevrav. America's the Erevrav. The Kalipa that we're dealing with in American society, and that's what's affecting, what's attacking Nishmas Yisrael, at the end of time is the Kalipa of the Erevrav. That's, that's what America is. So in order to figure out this sugya, so again, it, it, we're talking about Shaivim, and somehow the Arizal said, Kedusha's Hayesoid and Shemir Sinaim, that Yonah Kedusha is connected with Mitzrayim. But to get to the bottom of what Mitzrayim is, you have to get to the Sugya of the Erevav, and that's Mamish in Yonah Diyamit. Mamish in Yonah Diyamit. So it, it might take a, a few weeks you know, to get there, you know, to figure this out in practical terms, and to see you know, what, is, what is the Gulf of America, how it's unique. and and, and this is why it's difficult. That's why the Gulf of America, it's difficult. It's not, you can't compare it to any other time that we had. It's, it's not the same. It's its own, it has its identity. And, and, to, and to figure out how to handle it and what the challenges are. We, we sort of know what the challenges are, but to think about them and really to categorize it and to, and to make a sugya of it, which is important because when you understand the, the issue, right, like it's well known, if you, uh, understanding the kasha is half the answer, right? So to really figure this out, I, I think, in my personal opinion, it's all about the sugar of the air of Rav. So, let's begin. Let's begin. All right, should we, uh, you know, in Shalom Parmas of Hussein, at the very least, at least learn the sugar, it should give us the strength to be able to be Ahmed in the Nisiyanis that, uh, that we have. And by the way, that's why I personally find chizik in this, because when, you, when, you, when, you le- when you're learning about the certain qualities of the gulfs that you're in, then all of a sudden, like, it legitimizes the challenges that we have, right? Instead of thinking like the challenges that we have is because there's something wrong with us, like what's shot that our grandparents didn't have these issues? Like why wasn't we have these issues? It must be because there's something wrong with us. No, You're, this is a unique gullus, right? With, 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 the, with the yidden in, um, you know, uh, I, I don't know, yidden that are under the, the, the gullus of Haman, uh, you know, by, uh, by what you call by Paras and so on. So they should feel guilty over the fact that you know, our grandparents were slaves, and now we're being threatened with... It's a different Golas. That's the Matthias of Golas. So the more we can identify and, f- and realize that the Nyanin that we're challenged by is not coming from a problem within ourselves. It's, the, it's an Indian of Golas. And again, that Golas comes from the outside, and it makes its way on the inside, but it's a Matthias of Golas. So now our, 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 that we combat that, and we, we tackle it by finding Gula. It's not a, it's not a matter of like throwing your hands up, woe is to us, or something... There's something wrong with us psychologically. That's Matthias of Gauls. We're in the Gauls of the Erevra. So you have to figure that out. Okay? Okay, so we'll see. There's, uh, we'll see where it goes together. Okay? I only have today prepared, so we'll see, you know, we'll see where it goes. Okay, so let's begin. Who, who were the Erevra? Okay, we're going to start very pushing. Mamish, foundational, because, almost, you know, I remember even Shul's night, and I was walking to Shul, Shul's night, so I met someone 
from a different shul, and he, uh, he said, you know, we saw on the flyer, whatever it is, that you're talking about the air, like all night. So he said, like, the air, it's like one pasuk, what, 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 what are you talking about? So I said, okay, you know, and he went to a different, you know, fine. Okay. <laughs> said, that's okay, that's okay, but now it's being recorded, so it's fine. Okay. Parshas Bay. So the, the, the pasuk that we have about the air of Rav is basically the only pasuk that we have in Tanaf is from this past Parsha, Parsha's Bay. Kalei Yisrael leave Mitzrayim. And it's talking about where we, get, we got permission to go and so on. So the Pasuk says like this, V'gam erev rav oleitam, tzayin ubakar mikne kaved ma'ayv. It says in Pasuk, V'kal Yisrael uh, you know, left Mitzrayim with the erev rav, the, a great multitude, erev rav, a multitude, and cattle and so on a lot. But what, This multitude, what does that mean, this multitude? So Rashi says over there, and he's quoting from uh, Chazal, Rashi says, erev rav, what is erev rav? Taruvais umais shalgerim. That along with Kal Yisrael left Mitzrayim, uh, was not just Yidin, but also a multitude. What does it mean in Erev? A great multitude. It means a mixture of many Goyim from all different nations that converted to Yiddishkeit or connected themselves to Yiddishkeit. They saw the Makkas and so on, and they, le- and they went along with us. That's what Rashi, that's what Rashi says. Now, in, in the interpretation of Rashi, so just to figure out again who they were, Rashi says again, Erev Rav means a great multitude. So Rashi's learning that the word that the word Erev means a mixture. In other words, many nations, many Goyim that were mixed up, and a, a multitude, a many, many of them. What does it mean many? What's being added by that word many? It's just to get a little bit of a picture. So there's a Mamrakun there too, the Mechilta, the Medrash, goes in Rashi's interpretation that these Erev Ravs were, again, uh, a mixture of non-Jews that uh, connected with Kal Yisrael. And the fact that it says an Erev Rav was a me- many of them, what is being added by that word Rav? So the Medrash says, Vagam Erev Rav, the word Erev Rav, the, men, the many, this great multitude means that they way outnumbered the Yidin. So we know that the Yidin numbered in, in Mitzrayim, the left Mitzrayim was 600,000 men, right? Between you know, 2060, that age group of 600,000 men. Erev, there was, a, there was a mixture of non-Jews that came along with us, Erev Rav, and there was a me, many of them. What does it mean, many of them? So says the Medrash, Meya ve'esrim ribay, divi rabbi shmol. Twice the number of Klai Yisrael. There's 600,000 men of Klai Yisrael that left. 1.2 million Erev Rav. So it was double the size of Klai Yisrael. That's the meaning of the word Erev Rav. So again, the interpretation of Rashi based on this Mechilta is that the word Erev Rav means two things. Erev means a mixture of nations, a mixture of uh, different nationalities and so on that went along with Klai Yisrael. And how many of them? Rav. M- many of them. What does it mean many? Many means that whatever number of Klai Yisrael had, double that. And the Medjish actually goes on, I didn't record this, but the Medjish goes on to say that Rabbi Kiva said it was triple the amount of Klai Yisrael. Rabbi Nassim says it was quadruple the amount of Klai Yisrael. But a, a huge, a huge amount of people. Huge amount of people. By the way, based on this interpretation that the Erevav were talking about, huge, num- huge numbers of people. So uh, the Arizal, in fact, writes this. You don't have this in front of you. But the Arizal says that if you look in the beginning of Parsha Shmais, when Pari is speaking to his uh, inner circle about how to handle the, the Jewish problems, so uh, it, it's a little bit of a of a little bit of a, of a strange thing of how to figure out like how he saw Klal Yisrael. On the one hand, he says to his people, "Hein am bnei Yisrael rav This nation of the Jewish people is huge, and they're more powerful than us. Haven is Let's figure out how to handle this because if uh, if they you know start aligning themselves with a foreign nation, then they could easily overwhelm us. So we have to figure out how to, how to handle this. That conversation, that pasuk, doesn't sound like Pare hated Yidin. 
She sounds like he had a serious concern about the safety and the, you know, the security of his own country. What are we going to do with them? So he comes with the plan of, of slavery and so on. That's, but then the Pusik says, a little bit later on, that the Mitzrayim were disgusted by the Jewish people. The Imamish hated Yidin. So which one is it? Are they just afraid of the power that Am B'nai Yisrael has? Or are they disgusted by Kali Yisrael? The Rizal said, here's an Akuda. Whenever you see in Chumash and Tanakh the word B'nai Yisrael, that means Yidin. Whenever it says Am B'nai Yisrael, or the Am, that's always Erev Rav. So said the reason like this. Vayikutsu b'bnei b'nei Yisrael. The Pare hated Yidin. He hated the 600,000 men, you know, the, the Yidin. But when it comes to the Erev Rav, which that's where he didn't hate them, there were most, there were a lot of Mitzrayim in that, you know. So his issue was, Hine Am b'nei Yisrael, Rav Yotzim Menno. That is a lot of them, and now we're afraid. What if they associate with a foreign entity because they don't feel connected to the Egyptian culture, they feel more associated to Kal Yisrael, and so already they feel like sort of this is like this like huge empire developing within our own empire. So that's unhealthy to do. So yeah, we're going to see this. This goes way back. This goes way back, even to Yisvat Sadik. This Indian of there being people in Mitzrayim that associate themselves with Yidden and feel hiskashrus with Yidden goes way back. We're talking about it goes way back. We're going to see. We're going to see. That's part of the discussion we'll have. That's why when, when the Avdus comes in, the slavery is, in, is, is, is put on Klai Yisrael. But the reason why that helps is because now that, the, now that you have Klai Yisrael subjugated as slaves, so now the hope was that the Erev Rav, these millions and millions of people, are not going to want to associate themselves with that, such a low class of slaves. So that was the Eitzah. He wasn't, he wasn't enslaving the Erev Rav. He couldn't enslave millions and millions of people. They, he was afraid of them. What he did was who they're looking up to, which is Yidin, enslave them. And Mamela, they're not going to want to associate with Yidin anymore, and they'll be able to get mixed up in the, uh, in the melting pot of Mitzrayim. That was the hope. That was the hope. Okay. That's what happened. It didn't work, obviously, as we'll see. As the Pasuk says, the Erevav went along with us. So even when we were redeemed, they came along. But that's all the opinion of Rashi based on this Mechilta, that the Erevav was a multitude of many converts. And the reason why it's called uh, an Erevav is because just the numbers were, were overwhelming. This is not the opinion of the Zara Kaddish. The Zara Kaddish, or maybe, 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 it's, uh, maybe they're both true, but the Zara Kaddish gives a different taich on what the Erev Rav was, and this, this opens up a whole different perspective when you learn Chomish. It's, uh, it's an amazing thing. So the Zara says like this. It's in Parshish Kisisa. In Maramukka number three, the Zara says, Man Erev Rav. Who were the Erev Rav? So, and the Zara is addressing the possibility of Rashi and the Mechilta, and the Zara rejects it. The Chiludim, the Kushim, the Kaftarim, the Tagrumim, Havu, the Karinla Erev, maybe you'll tell me that the Erev means a multitude, like Rashi says, a multitude of many non-Jews mixed up. And so says the Zara, but I don't understand. You're telling me that in Egypt there was Ludim and Kush, they're all different nationalities. All these different nationalities are there. I mean, this is Egypt. Why is there all of a sudden millions and millions of foreign, of foreign citizens mixed up in Egypt? It doesn't make any sense. If you're dealing with Egypt, you would assume that they're all Egyptians. So if the Erev is leaving Egypt, the assumption would be that they're all Egyptians. So the Pshat, the Zara is making a point that the Pshat of Rashi and the Medjish Mechilta seems to be a little bit funny. That there's now, that not only are there a few, uh, you want to tell me that there's a few, you know, uh, foreigners in Egypt, that's one thing. Millions and millions of foreigners? It's not likely. Another point, said the Zara. And if Rashi's right, it means a multitude of many foreigners mixed up, 
then the language of the Pasuk in the, in the first Maramakim should have been Erev Rav Olu Itam. It should have been in the, in the plural. Erev Rav, a multitude of many nations, went up with the Jewish people. The word, I mean, in English, it's, it's went up, but in Hebrew, it should have been Olu, Lashen Rabim. The fact that it says Erev Rav Allah Itam, that the Erev Rav went with them in the singular, it sounds like this is one nationality. If it's a mixture of a conglomerate of many different nationalities, then when I talk about them, I should speak about them, Belosh and Rav. That's the question that the Zara says. Ella, so, what, so who are the Erev Rav? So says the Zara, Erev Rav Oleitam Amachadav. Therefore, it must be that the Erev Rav that went with Klai Yisrael was one nation, it was one people, they were Egyptians. Velishan Chad, one language, one entity, and that's why they're described as Lashon Yachad. So who were they? These were the magicians and sorcerers of Egypt. That was the Erev Rav. So we talk about the beginning of the whole Maisu when Pare, you know, Maisu Rabbeinu goes to Pare, and then Pare has his sorcerers to back him up and to show, to make the whole thing as a joke. Demarcus, we could, we could redo it. It's just Kish, it was just witchcraft. Those were the Erev Rav. Those were the Erev Rav. These were the elite, Shebelit, and the heads of, of, of Egyptian culture, yeah? 1.2 no, no, no. So this is a different shot. This is a different shot. It's not a multitude of people in terms of number. It's in term, we'll see in a second, in terms of their significance in Egyptian culture, it could be that in, in terms of their uh, influence, they could equal millions of people. But these were the op, top echelon of, of Mitzrayim. These were the Khartoumim. It says in Pasuk, that the, the sorcerers of Mitzrayim Mimicked Moshe Rabbeinu, they tried at least, right? They wanted to copy the pelas, the wonders of the Rabbanu Shlaylam. That's who the Erev Rav were. And once, and these are the, listen, they know the Malacha. And, and then once they saw the Nisan that was going on, and they realized the truth, that this is not Kishif, there's something much bigger at hand, and they saw the pelas that Moshe Rabbeinu was doing, they went to Moshe, these Khartoumim, and Omerle, and they said to him, uh, and, and others, they, they wanted to, to join. Um, now this Nakuda we'll see soon. The Rabbani Shalom says to Meisha, don't take them, don't take them, leave them here, it's bad news. But Meisha says back to Rabbani Shalom, master of the world, if they saw your strength, and these are the people that really appreciate it, right, because they mamish no kishif, and they know this is something more than that, so, and they want to be Magyar, they should be able to, they'll appreciate your power and your strength every day. They'll see the Nisan and the Midbar. These are the, if we could get these guys on our, on our side, so, you know, can you imagine the PR of that? You know, like this is the, this is the Khartoum Mitzrayim. The Mitzrayim was known for their Kishif, and these are the, these are the Kishif, these are the sources. And they become Gerim, the Kiddush Hashem that, that could come from that. So, and they'll know that there's no other God but you. The Kabbalah Moshe. And Moshe said, you know, I'm taking them. I'm taking them. Well, see, in, in this conversation between Rabbanu and Moshe Rabbeinu, and this interesting thing where the Rabbanu says no, and Moshe says, please, and Hashem says no, and he says, pretty please, and Hashem says, fine, do what you want, and he takes them. We'll see, it's, it sounds, it's reminiscent of another person in Tanakh that was the great arch enemy with Moshe Rabbeinu, that also had a similar type of thing. You know what I'm thinking of? It's Bilam, right? Rabbanu says to Bilam, don't go curse Klai and Bilam says, please. Hashem says, no. And Bilam says, pretty please. And then Hashem says, fine, do what you want. But it's going to be how I, it's going to be on my terms. Not Chas Hashem, Moshe They're enemies, but we'll see that there, there's, whenever there's, when, when there's dealing with the Erev Rav, there's an awakening of that Inyan, of, of making your own decisions on some level. We'll see. 
We'll see. Democracy, you know? It comes up. So the, the, the Zara continues. So why are they called the Erev Rav? Okay, that's who they are, the Chatumim. Why are they called the Erev Rav? Amai Karolai and Erev Rav. So why are they called the Erev Rav? So he says an interesting thing. I can't explain this, but it's good I like to see what the Zara says. Elokol Kharshin de Mitzrayim. Again, these are the sorcerers of Mitzrayim. Uber Ashayan. And by the way, says the Zara, who are the leaders of this group of the Erev Rav? Yainis Vyoimbarus. These are two people. The Zar elsewhere identifies them as the sons of Bilam. So, going back to the connection with Bilam, the two heads of the Erev Rav were, in fact, the children of Bilam himself. Now, we, we, by the way, Bilam is a major player when it comes to Gulf Mitzrayim, because we know, Chazal tell us, that when, that when Yaakov, uh, that when, when Parai was figuring out Hovinus Chakmul, like, like, what do I do with Klai Yisrael? So he had a whole uh, group of people, right? And the, the Eitzah of, of Gulf Mitzrayim was Bilam. Bilam was the one that gave the advice of Avdus and, and Golis and to Kilyad, and that was Bilam. So behind the scenes, Bilam is, is, the, is the opposite of Maish Rabbeinu and Parshish Balak, but it goes back to Golis Mitzrayim too. Maish Rabbeinu is the Redeemer, taking us out of the Golis that was initiated and started with the advice of Bilam. So Bilam is a, it's all that same, it's that, it's that Klippa. And so now the Erev Rav, the two, the Chartume Mitzrayim, who initially also are the ones fighting against Maish Rabbeinu, trying to disprove everything he's doing, they're the two sons of, of Bilam, and now Moshe Rabbeinu is an unbelievable catch. They want to be, they want to become Megar. It's unbelievable. It's like, uh, like the, 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 light coming out of the darkness itself. You're talking about trying to un, unend the Golas, trying to upend the Golas and to convert it into light. That the children and a child is always the revelation of the pinimis of the father, right? Whatever whatever person has, you know more who you are from your children, right? So. You don't have, the children of Bilam now want to be Megayer, and Moshe says that's like there's no t- there's no greater tikkun than that. That's what the Erevav were. So why are they called Erevav? Go back, <coughs> first line, second paragraph. So Zer says like this: that there are certain times in the day where where there's more of a kayach to do kishif and to do witchcraft, which is coming from the the sitrachra. So there's certain times that are more connected to evil than others. And that's B'derach Klal, the night, for sure, but even midday and on. From Chatzos Hayoim and on, as the sun begins to go down and darkness begins to descend into the world, that's the Zman of where it's an you know, authentic, auspicious time to be involved with the Sitra Achra. But the Zohar explains that as follows. The Kol Ilan Charshin Iloyin, the very, very best sorcerers, that they have real kaiches, the, the top echelon of the Erev Rav, have mistakli michinoti shimsha, they were able to connect themselves to the sitra already from midday on. Where even though the sun is out, but they're so sensitive to chayshech, right, they could pick up on chayshech, that even midday where it's beginning, where the sun is at least dripping down, and there's no, there's, it's not dark yet, but it's, it's on its way to nighttime, so the real big chartumim, they could pick up on the kaiches of the sitra already from, from Mincha Gedoyla, right? From six and a half hours of, uh, into the day after Chatzos, all the way out. Mishirusa the shis shayis umechza, from six and a half hours in, ad shirusa the teisha shayis umechza, until nine and a half hours. We know in Halach and Seches Brachas, we know this in Zmanim, that Mincha, there's, there's what's called in Chazal Mincha Gedoyla, and there's Mincha Ketana. Mincha Gedoyla means, uh, let's say, Chatzos is six hours into the day, right? Let's say the sun rises at 6 in the morning, whatever. So 12 in the afternoon, sun is in the midpoint in the sky. 12.30, that's six and a half hours into the day, already the sun is beginning to go down, right? That's called mincha, that's called mincha gedayla. You could fish the dava mincha at that point. But then there's something that's called mincha ketana. Mincha ketana is what is nine and a half hours into the day. That's already much closer 
to Shkia, it's much closer to nighttime, and it's legitimately getting darker at that point. That's when you can you still have mincha there, but that's when, like, you know, preparing for Shabbos or halachas kick in and other things like that. So there's a demarcation point in, in Chazal of mincha gedayla and mincha ketana. That's not a, just a random, like, what's the pshat with that number? Six and a half versus nine and a half. Just random? I, why not eight and a half? Why not ten? I mean, what, what, the pshat is, the Zohar is, is revealing to us this idea is that there are certain kaiches of Tumah that are accessible. A very more sensitive kachas more subtle tumma that's accessible from six and a half hours to nine and a half, and from nine and a half till midnight, that's when even a non-expert can connect themselves to kachas from nine and a half hours into the night. So this is the idea. The idea is as follows: there is the erev rav. The word erev doesn't just mean doesn't mean mixture, right? According to the Zarka, it's not a mixture of any nations. These are these are Egyptians. These are the chatumim. So why, what does the word Erev Rav mean? The word Erev doesn't mean mixture, according to the Zohar. Erev means Erev. Mm-hmm. It means evening. There's an Erev Rav. There's the, there's the evening when you count it from six and a half hours. That's a large span of time. And then there's Erev Zeira. Then there's a shorter afternoon when you're counting from nine and a half hours. <laughs> and this was, the demar- this was the different divisions in the Chartumim. Are you like black belt? You know, or... or not black belt, whatever. So, they, right, so if you're a black belt, khartumim, then you could pick up on Kaychas Erev Rav. Right? Even from six and a half hours into the day, you're already, you can already feel the Chayshach the coming. But if you're Erev Zeira, if you're not a black belt, uh, Kishav Macher, you're just a lower echelon, then you're not Erev Rav, you're Erev Zeira. Then you could connect to Kishav from nine and a half hours into the day. So this is the Chiddush, that we'll, we'll, the people that were Makash themselves to Meish were Erev Rav. These were Mamish, the most Chash of a Chartumim. That's what's going on over here. So the Zara explains. Um, three lines in. Dahainu Erev Rav Rava. So if you, if you could perform Kishav from six and a half hours and on, that's called the large afternoon. That's a large Erev. That's a large evening. That's a large you know, time, uh, you know, part of the clock. That's called Erev Rav. Kol inan charshin ze'irin, but if you're a, a less level uh, sorcerer, mishirusa deteisho mechzad palgas lailo, then you could only perform your kishif from nine and a half hours into, of the day into midnight. That's it. And by the way, this is why, I, that's why Tikkun Chatzais is the beginning of, 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 of being awake at midnight. According to, you know, this week is the Yartz of the Rashash. The Rashash was extremely makbid. He, he, you know, in the Zar Kaddish and the Kisviari, we find this big Indian of waking up at midnight, of being up and you go to, like, and the reason the way the, the day should be is that the sun goes down, you go to sleep. By midnight, you get up, and, you, and that's, that's when your day starts. Like, like uh, you know, in the, in the Shara Kavanas from the Rizal, what's the beginning of the morning? The beginning of the day starts with Tikkun Chatzais. The Rashash explained that really the Nakuda is not so much to be up from midnight on, because that's, I'm sure those people like that, that's, that's very hard. The Rashash said the main Indian is not to be awake at the moment of midnight. Not to be, not, I'm sorry, not to be asleep at the moment of midnight, to be awake at that particular moment. The Indian of being awake at that moment is because that's, that's the transitional point between Erev, between a Tukufa that's predominantly being... Uh, you know, uh, influenced by the Sitra Achra, whether it be Erev Rav or Erev Zira, but it's definitely a time of darkness. And midnight is the transition to now the beginning of light. It, you know, it doesn't seem like it's light yet, but that's when the Kaychas of Taiv are more predominant in the world, so you want to be awake at that moment. 
be awake at that moment. Then you go back to bed, or maybe you didn't go to sleep yet, whatever. But like to be awake at midnight, that's uh, that's from the Rashash. Anyway, so he says like this: Inun Eloyin the great sorcerers, the heir of Ra- the heir of Rav of Mitzrayim, Hamistaklu Michinati Shimsha, they would they would be able to 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 do their kishif and to connect already when the sun begins to go down at six and a half hours. Gedein Sharon Tesha Meya Vetishin Vechamish Dargin. Again, I don't know what this means, but I'll just share with you words that the Erev Rav, they were able to pick up from six and a half hours in 995 madregas of darkness that would descend onto the mountains of this world. As the Zara says again, these are the words. Kedain Sharn, at that moment of six and a half hours in, they would, they would be able to pick up and to connect to Teisha Mayan Vetishan Vachamish 995 Dargan. And they would be able to use those madregas of, of Tumah to, um, to shpatsir, to take walks in the mountains of darkness. That's what it says. Now, by the way, this Indian of 995, okay, you know, I'm not going to be able to, I can't explain it, but, you know, a little bit of a Pesach. The name Elohim, the name Elohim, if you spell Elohim, the Miloy Hayin, right? You take each letter and you spell it out in full, right? So Aleph is Aleph Lamed Pei, B'chulu B'chulu. And you do that, you do that in what's called a, in a way of acharayim. Acharayim means that before, like na na nachma nachma mumen. Aleph, aleph lamed, aleph lamed hey, aleph lamed yud, aleph lamed yud hey. You do that to the name Elokim, it equals a thousand. If you do that, so that okay. Now, if you t- subtract from that the five main essential letters of the name Elokim. Then that equal, then what you have, 1,000 minus 5 is 995. In, in Tanakh, and the Sitra is always described as Elohim Acherim. Elohim Acherim. Acherim doesn't mean, means others. Acherim also comes from the word Acherayim. Elohim Acherim means that the Iker Kaychis of the Sitra everything comes from Elokos. Everything comes from a spark of divinity. But the Iker Kaychis of the Sitra doesn't come from Chasr Shalom Yudkei and doesn't even come from Elohim in its purest form. It comes from Elohim Acherim. All these derivatives of the name Elohim, B'miloi and Acherayim, 995, that's where the Kaychas of Sitra come from. And the, the Erev Rav were so, they were so good at this, they were able to connect to as close to the Shairish of Kedusha as possible without actually coming to Kedusha. They could pick up on the 995 madragas of where the, the kaychas of the sitrach are coming from. This is why throughout Mitzvah and Sarm we find this, that the name Elohim, Parah was familiar with. Parah was familiar with. Whenever Yisrael Tzadik talks to Parah and he says, you're Elohim, 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 Parah never questions that. All of a sudden, Moshe Rabbeinu says, Yud Kei revealed himself to me and told me to take Jewish people out. He says, Mi Havai, I never heard of such a name. Elohim he was familiar with. Because Elohim is the name from which Elohim Acherem descend from, where the Kachas of Tumah descend from, and from Par was familiar with that. So the Erev Rav were able to pick up a 995 Madregas of Tumah that descend into the world already from six and a half hours into the day. And the Kachas of Tumah that come from these 995 Madregas, uh, you know, derivatives of the name Elohim, would be able to be picked up upon by these Erev Rav in their, in their Chatumim. Now he says an amazing thing, the Zara says, havi avdi kol You know, Mitzrayim was a dictatorship. We're talking about uh, the old-fashioned kings, right? But the Zara says that these chavr, the Erev Rav, they had free will. They, had, they were free. 
They could do whatever they want. They were not, they were not uh, subjected to the wills of the king. They had their own free range. To such a degree that all the, the Egyptian culture, they had, their bitachin was in these Erev Rav. That's the, the, you know, they had their many gods, but really who they put their trust into, who's going to protect us on a bad day, who's going to be able to help us out, it was the Erev Rav. It was the Erev Rav. That's what the Erev Rav were. They were the bitachin, and everyone... Uh, every person in Mitzrayim, at the end of the day, when push comes to shove, the Erev Rav will protect us, they'll take care of us. Right? Okay. Might remind us of a certain country. <laughs> the car, no, it's true. The Carline Erev Rav, and they were called the Erev Rav, begin the Is Erev Zeirav. They're called Erev Rav because there was Erev Zeirav. There's, there's a smaller evening versus larger evening. Utre Arvi Inon, these are the two evenings. Valdo, and that's the meaning of the Pasuk, Vagam Erev Rav Aliitham. That's what the Zara says. Now, it's an amazing, amazing thing. Now, by the way, this idea of the Erev Rav being a huge catch in Moshe Rabbeinu's mind, a mamash, a huge catch, and having this conversation with Rabbanu Shalom and the Erev Rav being connected to the name of Elohim, as I just mentioned before, this is all hinted to in a Medjish Rabbah. Again, just when you learn the Medjish without the background of Pinus Atayra, you know, it sort of goes beneath the radar. But, but now that we have a little background, we'll appreciate a little bit more what, what's being hinted to over here. In, in Marmokka number four, the Medjish in Parshish Kisisa, this is talking about in the aftermath of the Egel. Remember, what was the language of the Egel? What, what happened over there? Again, Moshe Rabbeinu was gone. So all of a sudden, the Klaus will get nervous, whatever it is, and they decide to make an Egel. And we're going to see that the ones that were, that were initiated that process, that uh, were the leaders of that program, were the Erevrav. And what was the language that they said to Klaus Yisrael? Eila Elehecha Yisrael. This is, this, is, this is your God. Eila Elehecha Yisrael. Why not Yukivavke? Why not give up? That's the main name of Hashem. If you want to really get Klai Yisrael on board, Eila Havaya the Yisrael. No, Eila Lehecha Yisrael. Say Erev So he says that the Medjish says this: Leich Rei Kishichis Amcha. Hashem says to Moshe Rabbeinu, "Descend the mountain because your nation has uh, has messed up." Ha'am Inksiv Khan doesn't say the nation has messed up, but La'amcha, your nation. Does it mean? So Amar Moshe. So Moshe says, "Rebayin Ha'ilam, Master of the Universe." Me Nayin Hainami. Why? Why they my nation all of a sudden? So because Hashem, so Hashem responded to him, Amchaheim, they're your nation, they're your responsibility. Sha'ad Shaib Mitzrayim, because when we were in Egypt, remember, Amartilach, I told you, Ami, I told you, take out my my army, my nation. What does it mean? Says it's an amazing thing, right? What does the Pasik mean? What is it? It's a double ushan. Take out Tsivaisai, the army of the Jewish people, my nation. What's 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 that saying? Amartilach, and Hashem says, what I was hinting to is Shaloila Arvim Erevrav. Don't let the Erevrav get mixed in. Leave them behind. But at the but now the Ravanshan says to Mysha, Shayisa Anav, you're a humble person, the kosher and a good guy. So Amartili, so you told me, they want to do tshuva, they want to come back, how can you say no? And the Ravanshan says, You're you you're too nice, you know, they, you're an Anav, you're kosher. And so what happened? I knew what's going to come with this Erev Rav. I knew what's going to come with them. But because you pushed me and you asked, so I said, fine, go, do what you want. Do what you want. And that's what happened. And they're the ones that made the eagle. They continue connecting to Avadizara the whole time. They made the eagle. And they're causing my people, call yourself to do Averis like this. And this is all hinted to, it says the Medjish, what the Pasik says, Eila Elehecha Yisrael. Eila Elehecha Yisrael. Lekach HaMarkadosh Baruch Hu, Leich Rei Kishich HaSamcha. It means Eila Elehecha Yisrael. Eila Elehecha Yisrael means that there's an outside entity talking, telling Kla Yisrael, Eila Elehecha, and they use that term, Eila Elehecha. Now, 
this ending, we're only gonna we're gonna end with this now, as a and next week. So today, the, the point of today is to get a little bit of historical background who these Erev were, and to open up a few questions. Okay, the first question we have to deal with is like, what is this ending? The Moshe Rabbeinu. I mean, the Rebbe Shlom says it's a bad idea. Moshe Rabbeinu. This Indian that Maishavin is pushing, no, it's, uh, we should do, we should accept them. It's a very difficult Indian to, to appreciate this. And to go even more, Maishavin's affinity and his, and his deep desire to be Makar of the Erev not only was he willing to actually you know, push back on the Rabbani Shalom that we should take the Erev in Marmokad number five, we have a piece from Narizal where Maishavin was actually willing to to manipulate the little bit Torah itself in order just to give be Makar of the Erev See how much Mr. Snefesh he had for this. Moshe took Torah very seriously. Listen to what it says in Maramukha number 5. This is from Sharab Sukkim, also in Parshas Bai. So in Parshas Bai, there's, there's a very big difference between after Makas Bukharis, the Rabbani Shalom warns, you know, Makas Bukharis is coming, fine. And then the Rabbani Shalom moves in to talk about some halachas, halachas of Pesach, Matzah, and Mar, and so on. And then the Rabbani Shalom tells us about other mitzvahs. The order of how the Rabbani Shalom tells Moshe these other mitzvahs and how Moshe Rabbeinu then goes tells Klai Yisrael about the mitzvahs are switched. When the Rabbani Shalom tells Moshe, he tells Moshe about two mitzvahs. He tells Moshe about Pidna Ben and he tells Moshe about the mitzvah of remembering Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. Those are the two mitzvahs in that order. Pidna Ben, number one, and remembering Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. When Moshe Rabbeinu then goes tells Klai Yisrael, he reverses it. First he mentions the mitzvah of Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, of remembering Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim always, and then he mentions Pidna Ben. So before I ask this, why, why the switch? Listen to what Rizal says. Maisha Rabbeinu Ra, Maisha Rabbeinu saw, Vine, and he had the following concern. If now this is really the beginning of Kla Yisrael being given mitzvahs, because until now, even though we had mitzvahs given to us, but they were more about Pesach. Now, we're, now this is just really the beginning of, uh, of Torah. The Maisha Rabbeinu was concerned. If the first mitzvah I say to them is Pidna Ben, after talking about matzahs and, 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 and Pesach, the first thing I talk about is, if I first tell them, the first thing I tell them is, and the Erev are going to hear in Pidna Ben, right? Pidna Ben is a mitzvah only to Kla Yisrael who were threatened by Makas B'chayrus and survived, as we'll see in a second, the Avdas, as I said, the slavery was only for Kal Yisrael, not the Erev Rav. So they, didn't have, they were not part of this whole sugi of, they needed the Makas, it, it was not negated to them. So the Inuit Pinyad Ben, redeeming the firstborn, which is as a result of Kal Yisrael being protected from Makas B'chayrus, right, which was a plague on the Egyptians that were enslaving them, not the Erev Rav, right? The Erev Rav, they were passive about the whole thing. So the Mitzvah Pinyad Ben is only on Yidin. So says Moshe Rabbeinu, if the first mitzvah I say is something that's only to Yid and not to Erev Rav, then what? Then they're going to have a chalishah zadas, they're going to feel rejected and dejected, and they're going to, they're going to go back to their ways of Mitzrayim. And they'll return to, uh, to their mistaken ways. And now it's very easy for them to turn around, because we didn't leave yet. Right? All they have to do is just stay. Right? So Moshe Rabbeinu is very concerned about this. But because Moshe Rabbeinu wants to bring them under the Shechina, and he wants to be Makar of them, they shouldn't reject Therefore Moshe switches the order, and the first thing he says is, remember Yitzis Mitzrayim. The mitzvah kelelis, and that's a mitzvah that could be shaykh to everyone. Because leaving Mitzrayim, that's something the Erev Rav, hopefully, that's what Moshe is thinking, that they hopefully should uh, be able to participate in. 
<clears throat> that's why it's interesting. In the beginning of that statement of uh, Moshe Rabbeinu giving the second mitzvah first, right? Of remembering Yitzhak Mitzrayim, it says, Vayar Moshe el Ha'am. It doesn't say Vayar Moshe el Bnei Yisrael. It says Vayar Moshe el Ha'am to the people. And what is the Am? Am is always a code word, Shema Erevrav. That includes the Erevrav. That's why it's always Balashan Rabbim. That you, in the plural, are leaving today. If he's just talking to Yidin, then you talk to Yidin in Lashon Yachid. The answer is he's not just talking to Yidin, he's talking to the Yidin and the Erev Rav. And that's what he says an amazing thing. When Moshe Rabbeinu describes the mitzvah of Yitzhak Mitzrayim, he says, You are leaving today from the house of slavery. What house of slavery? From, from being slaves. The answer is, only the Yidin were slaves. And he doesn't want to only talk to Yidin. He wants to talk to Erev Rav too. So to Erev Rav, he can't say we're leaving from being slaves. To Erev Rav, we can say we're leaving from Avadim, from a country that's, an ensla- that's about enslaving people. But he doesn't want to say Avadim Amish because he wants to include the Erev Rav. You see how much he's... Moshe Rabbeinu was trying to be makar of them. Kolmer, Yitzhazim Mitzrayim, Hanikar Beis Avadim. We're leaving Mitzrayim, which is called the country of Beis Avadim. Al Shem Yisrael Shin Shnavdusham. Why is it called Beis Avadim? Because Yidin are enslaved there. Aval Atim Lein Shnavdu, but the Erevav were not enslaved. Lachin Loyom Hakasav Miyaisim Avadim. That's why it doesn't say that. Remember the day of the Exodus that you're being taken out of slavery. It doesn't say that. El Mi Beis Avadim. Gam Ramaz. Now this is an amazing thing. Gam Ramaz Ba'Amrei. It's also being hinted to the next thing that the Moshe Rabbeinu continues. Kibechayzek Yad. Remember that Hashem is taking you plural out of the house of slavery. Because with a strong hand, Hashem is doing this, right? With all the makas. It's going to open up another question. The entire need of the makas, of the Rabbana Shalom, with all the, the strength and the special effects and the miracles, was unnecessary just to take Kali Yisrael out of slavery. Why? It was really about the Erev Rav. That's the holding of the makas, was really there to motivate the Erev Rav to get them out. Why? Because the Pasuk says in Parshas Bai, why, why am I doing these makas? Is what? That the whole world should know my name. How is the whole world going to know my name? By the Erev Rav coming out, uh, that's the biggest Kiddush Hashem in the world. And if it wasn't for all the makas, this par would never let the Erev Rav leave. Would Parah let Klai Yisrael leave? Of course, he didn't, he didn't want Klai Yisrael to begin with. He was stuck with Klai Yisrael. And he, the only slavery was, why, why was slavery there to begin with? Because he's afraid that if the Erev Rav associate themselves with Klai Yisrael, so it's going to be bad for him. So I'm going to subjugate Klai Yisrael and make the Erev Rav not want to have any shaykhs to them. But, 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 but if he had the option of just getting rid of Klai Yisrael, that solves my problem much easier. What do I need this? What is the big hassle of having slaves? I don't need this for. They weren't really being productive, right? We know they were building and the buildings broke down. They weren't really being productive. So just get them out. If Moshe Rabbeinu came to Pari and said, listen, I'll make you a deal. Give me Klai Yisrael and you'll, you'll keep the Erev You could be in, in, in control of the Khartoumim. You keep them and, and I'll take Klai Yisrael. Pari was like, I'll, I'll pay you to do that. It was the biggest thing in the world. So why is Rabbanish not doing this? Why is Maka after Maka after Maka? The answer is because par, what the Makas are really about is to get the Erev Rav. And this is the, this is the mixed signals that Moshe Rabbeinu is getting. On the one hand, you're telling me Moshe Rabbeinu says to Rabbanu Shalom, the old Mak, it's, it's, it's all about the Erev Rav. It's all about getting the Erev Rav. And yet now that I'm telling you I want the Erev Rav, which is not, not, not a good idea, I see what's, gonna, it's what's going on over here. So the whole thing is a kasha. This, this is what we're going to be ending with right now. It's like, well, first of all, we see again who the Erev Rav were. The, we, we understand the mile, the Kiddush Hashem that would be 
done with, that would be created with this. And in fact, we see, the Rabbana Shalom is interested in that. And that's the whole purpose of the Makkas was to get the Erev Rav. And the mitzvah of, of, of remembering Yitzhak time is woven, is, 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 Moshe Rabbeinu is, is, is giving that mitzvah in a way to include the Erev Rav. Yet mitzvah sheni, when it, when it comes down to it, and Moshe wants the Erev Rav, Moshe says, not, not a good idea. And then Moshe pushes back and says, okay, you know what, fine, do whatever you want. Like the whole... It, it, it needs it needs further explanation. It's just so this is what sort of like the, the historical background of who they were, and the kashas that sort of arise with like bringing them in the fold, not bringing them in the fold. Bezeshem next week, slowly, slowly. Bezeshem next week, we'll uh, delve a little bit deeper into this and to expand the sugi even further. Okay, yeah,